thank our worship ministries who spend so much time. And I love the fact that even this morning before, we, we always have our meeting and pray and walk through everything. And Nash reminded them, we worship from here. From, from here, then we worship. And uh, I just so appreciate, appreciate our worship ministries. Today, if you're uh, anticipating uh, continuing on our Revelation series, I've canceled the rest of the series. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, we're going to take a pause. Uh, i got next week's message all lined up and excited, but um, we're going to take a pause today because today is International Orphan Sunday. And you think about it, God in Ephesians refers to us as spiritually, we're orphans, but then he adopts us into his family if we say yes to Jesus. And so God has a, a major heart for, for orphans and the fatherless and the motherless. And again, we talked about a partnership we just started with Timothy Initiative, where we have another long-standing partnership with Children of the Nations. Um, it, uh, Chris and Debbie Clark from Silverdale started Children of the Nations in 1995. Now, Chris was a missionary kid, you know, in Africa, and then he came to the States, and God just, you know, drew him back. And, and, and right now, there's about 5,700 children, orphans, 5,700 plus orphans who are being sponsored by Children of the Nations, and with the sponsorship takes care of their spiritual needs or medical needs or housing needs or food needs, you know, and, and challenging them, you know, to reach them for Jesus and challenge them as, as orphans to eventually change their nation. And we're seeing that happen. My wife and I, for a long time, we were sponsoring several children all for, you know, every month, and then seeing them graduate and hearing back from them, writing to them, and see them going off to university. And here these orphans are now doctors and nurses and lawyers, and, and, they're, and they're believers. So we're excited on, on International Orphan Sunday to have the founder, Chris Clark, come. Uh, he has been, been speaking, I think, about 10 years or maybe 12 years, but he's here today. And by the end of uh, today, I, I hope that the 5,700 children will be pushing 6,000 children by the end of today. Would you give a warm Grace Point welcome to Chris Clark? Well, so great to be with you. Before we get started, I want to meet, I want you to meet my beautiful wife, Debbie. Here she is. Stand up, Debbie. Come on. Uh, Debbie is the better part of, of uh, the organization of Children and Nations with so many more. I create lots of messes and they straighten all the messes out. You know, uh, in 1995, on a short-term trip to Africa, uh, we went back, for me, it was going back to Africa for my wife. It was, she had just met me and wanted to understand what it means to be married to a missionary kid raised in Africa. And I thought, how are we doing there? Does that buzz drive you crazy? Is that just in my ear? We're good. Thank you guys for doing that. Um, we went back and we saw the extreme needs of a country torn apart by war. And uh, I don't know how you would respond to that, but for us, seeing thousands of children on the streets was just heartbreaking. Um, and all along, I was thinking about, at the end of this trip, I'm going to take a flight back to Kitsap County, and we live down at Iden Lake. I've been there for 35 years, and uh, I'm going to live on, in, in, in the beauty of the Northwest and what will have happened to all these kids. I remember walking through the streets of Freetown, the capital city of Sierra Leone, and uh, my heart was so overwhelmed by all of these children. Many of them were just head-to-toe scabies. They're Years, some of their ears had been chopped off by some of the rebel fighters. 
uh, their lips uh, taken off by those same fighters. Some of the worst fighters in that country at the time was called the Small Boy Unit, SBU. And these were kids that were about five years old. And they had been captured and taken in to be Army soldiers. I remember watching one little boy drag an AK-47 behind him because it was too heavy. But yet they had the most tenacity of any of the warriors. Why? Because their conscience had been seared. And those above them understood that if they could capture the hearts of these children, that nothing would stop them. And uh, to talk to some of those kids, even on the streets that had run away from that kind of torture, uh, it was heartbreaking. I remember in the midst of them getting down on my knees and I looked at them because I sensed that the Holy Spirit was saying, get on your knees and ask them their name. See, most of these kids in our society, these societies that are the worst in the world, they don't have a name anymore. They've lost their families. They've lost their parents. And when you lose your mom and dad, you lose your identity. And uh, I got down on my knees and the soldiers that were protecting us thought that the kids were storming me. So they started beating them with belts. And I said, no, no, stop, stop, stop. And I took one of the boys that had scabies on him and I kissed his forehead and I said, what's your name? And his name was Joshua. Isn't that interesting? Joshua. And my heart <laughs> broke because I thought, what is the future of this child? And my heart of compassion was overwhelmed. Uh, and I thought, who will care for these kids? Now, being raised in Africa, my thinking was, well, it's not my job. I'm not Sierra Leonean. It's their job. And God began to form in me this mindset of what combustion really is. You know, uh, Holy Spirit combustion is when you see a need in society and you kind of do a look at yourself and say, what do I have? How can I bring answers to these problems? And when those two things come together, there's hopefully combustion in your life where you put your hands together and you say, Lord, what do you have for me in this situation? And combustion can take off right then and there. Many times we never get there because we look at the overwhelming need and we say, I am not worthy. I can't do this. My fears overwhelm me. I want to run. There's too many dragons in my life. I don't want to step up to the challenge. But thankfully in our hearts, God moved all of that away and we came home and I said to Debbie, we can't just, I can't do it. <laughs> we had started a ministry here in this county with Youth for Christ and we had thousands of kids that come had come to know Christ. We had over 40 children in our home alone under foster care. We started 100 foster care homes. I felt like we were doing enough here. I wanted to do more. But God put me in touch. God put us in touch with this incredible opportunity uh, that now we know is children of the nations. And we stepped out in faith, left our jobs with Youth for Christ. Debbie was a teacher. And we said, Lord, if you would have us, we'll do it. I don't know how, Lord. And God said, ah, ha. With me, he says, shut up, and you do what I tell you to do. Okay, all right, I got it. But I'm, I don't understand what that means. He says, take one step today, Chris. I don't have any money for all of the stuff that I see that needs. He said, I'm the God. I'm the God that owns a thousand cattle. Or I own cattle on a thousand hills. Isn't that what it is, Pastor? Yeah. I just need to sell a few of those, and I'll take care of your need. This need is here, but I have chosen you. And you know what? God has already done that for each one of you today. You are involved in situations in society, in Kitsap County and beyond. Thank you for the Timothy Project. That's an awesome one. I want to, we got some kids that I want to put in that program. Um, some great pastors. One of those kids that was rolling around on a wheelchair 
uh, when I got down on my knees, his name is, his name is Stephen Michael, and uh, had polio at a young age, couldn't walk, but man, greater is he that is in me than he's in the world. And God got a hold of that kid's life, and today, jumping through the story, he's a pastor. He started five churches already on a wheelchair. Now, have you ever seen a kid on a wheelchair in a third, third world country that can't get around? They're, they are despised. He's got to take that wheelchair, throw it on top of the taxi, or put it on his back and get on the back of a motorcycle. But there's no exhaustion out of that. I don't know about you, but when I walk up a few stairs, I get exhausted. But Stephen, he will do that. Why? Because greater is he that is in me than he's in the world. And he sees that combustion opportunity, he steps into it. Have you ever been involved with fire before? Have you understood when you light a fire, you know, you strike that match and the air takes it and goes boom and there's combustion and whatever's around it. Uh, my son out here on the um, Peterson, I won't tell you where because I don't want to get him arrested, but he decided to take those, um, those the things that you, at 4th of July, you, the sparklers, thank you. And he bought a bunch of those and then he, he duct taped the whole thing. That's called stupid, right? <laughs> and he had a big boom. But one of the big booms in my life was down in, in Liberia where I was being raised. And my responsibility was to make sure that the kerosene refrigerator that kept our stuff cold uh, stayed full of kerosene. And in the back of this can uh, canister was a little light. Now, if you're not lazy, you put the light out, you pull the canister out, and then you dump the kerosene inside. At this particular night, um, we decided that we needed to get some more kerosene in the five-gallon container before we could fill the canister. And so I was feeling lazy because, you know, middle child, I felt like I had done all the chores. So I made my brother get on a motorcycle and go down to the end of the airstrip into a little locker. And you're supposed to siphon. Um, and if you've done this, you know the difference between gasoline and kerosene. You siphon the liquid into your five-gallon drum. Okay, we, the pump didn't work, so you have to siphon it. Well, Billy sat on the motorcycle while, while the student did the siphoning, and he came back, and we began to pour that, what was supposed to be kerosene, into the refrigerator. It was gasoline. And if you know anything about the difference, kerosene burns low and slow, and gasoline ignites, and the fumes explode. And within a few moments, our entire house was engulfed with fire. And we stood back and watched our little life fold. We had brought all the things that we had owned in, in and that time was 55-gallon drums, brought them to Africa. And uh, we were so in shock of what to do, you know, turn on the faucet, there's no water, um, there's no way, there's no fire department in the middle of the bush. We were two, two hours by a air, little airplane from anywhere. And my heart was, Lord, what are you doing? <laughs> Isn't that what happens in a lot of times when we see the opportunity and the need? You say, Lord, what are you doing? You know, this is a mess. And uh, we watched our dreams crumble. And I'm sure glad that my parents didn't quit at that point. They said, no, we're not going to quit. We're going to go forward. And they went on to, to live in the capital city of Monrovia. And during those years, we were forced as students, as kids, on Sundays to take our Sunday, which we wanted to go to the beach. And we were forced to go to a little orphanage. <laughs> um, and uh, I cry because I see the connections now of what God was doing in my life to say yes to the opportunity with Children of the Nations. But I didn't know it then. I was a teenager. I hated it. Get in a hot Land Rover and bumpy roads and 100 degrees and 100 degrees humidity and you just sweat like a pig and you get out there 
And here's these beautiful, gorgeous kids that are orphan children that have been left by war or famine or whatever it might be in the world. And uh, I'll never forget one of the things that's embroiled in my head is a simple song that they would sing. They lived by faith. They never knew where the next meal was going to come from. And here was these little poor little kids that was teaching an American kid that had come from resources what it means to trust in him. I didn't know it at the time, but I still remember that song. And that song is, you can't hurry God. Oh, no, you just got to wait. You got to trust him and give him time. No matter how long he takes, he is a God you can't hurry. But he'll be there now, so don't you worry. He may not come when, he want, when you want him, but he's right on time. And you know, thank you for that. that that's very nice of you. My wife tells me not to sing in the shower, so that's nice. Uh, you know, God repeatedly has put that song into my head and into our heads. As we've thought about, we don't have enough. And God says, what's in, my, what's in your hand? Take what's in your hand and make it useful for my kingdom. And I will never take away what I put in your hand. I will replenish your hand. And we constantly say, my wife and I, that God has embarrassed us with, with so many things whether it's health, whether it's resources, whether a speedboat from her father. I mean, we just can't seem to get away from the embarrassment. Now, I wouldn't say to do these things so you get a speedboat. I'm just saying that God never takes away what's in your hand if you put that on the mission with him. And as we've done that over the years, we started with one child. Debbie sponsored the first child, and now we have 5,700 kids. We're in communities in five strategic places and the worst places on, on earth around the world. One of those places is the Dominican Republic. And in the Dominican Republic, where many of you have gone to, to serve, even Stefan Tolls I see here today, uh, has gone down to our clinic in the Dominican. It was actually, we built it through Mike and, and um, Kelly Youngkite uh, that go to your church as well, one of your elders here. Um, again, one of those combustion things, we saw the need, and now we've had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of kids who have gone through surgeries to restore their faces, to restore their hands, to restore their bodies, all because of the same combustion principle. And as we have gone um, into different countries like the Dominican Republic, we've given those kids that same joy, that whole mobilization, the mission mobilization, we've shared with the people that live in those countries. And they've stepped up and said, our kids deserve better. We will work together to see that our children can see transformation. And every day that we are involved socially, mentally, physically, and spiritually, we don't just feed the kids. We want to make sure that they're holistically cared for. We have over 500 children in residential care. This is overnight care. that They're with us 24-7. These kids are the very worst of the worst. Many of them could not go back to a village because of the torture that they would endure, even being Christians. We've seen thousands and thousands come to know Christ. But one of the most encouraging things is seeing the children take what has been given to them and to see transformation out in their world. One, one of the kids that I want to tell you about, his name is Antonio. Antonio came to us as a broken little boy. He doesn't look so bad here, but he's got a shirt to cover everything up. And he was so involved with baseball, loves baseball. You know, if you're a Dominican, six foot tall, throw it 90 miles an hour, you get a contract with the, the baseball. MLB, is that it? Major League Baseball, yeah, sorry, I'm not, I'm not a jock. I was raised in Africa and don't understand that, but soccer. Uh, but uh, his dream was to be a soccer player, and so we thought, okay, whatever, but you're also going to learn the four basics, social, mental, physical, spiritual. You're going to grow in your knowledge of understanding. And he would keep saying to us, 
but why would I go to school to be anything else? I can't even go to high school because I don't have a degree. Uh, excuse me, I don't have my birth certificate. And most of the plague of the Dominican Haitian kids is that they never have had their birth certificate, so they can't go to junior high or high school. Forget about college. But we said, greater is he that is in you, Antonio, than he's in the world. You're going to get a birth certificate in Jesus' name. You'll get it. And he began to persist and push and fight until he got through high school and he graduated. That was never known. Four generations in this village, no one's ever graduated from high school. We're going, go, Antonio. Antonio had a bigger dream. He said, I want to be a doctor. I said, man, why don't you just be a teacher? I mean, you know, that's a lot of money to put you through medical school. Well, faithful people here in Kitsap County and in Seattle helped us to support Antonio. Antonio graduated from college, and he graduated from university uh, with a bachelor's degree, and then he went to medical school, got a medical degree. Now he's a full-fledged doctor. Came back to serve with us for two years. He came back to serve with us for two years, uh, and I'm totally lost on time. How much time do I have here? You never, missionaries are always terrible with this. Okay, I have 20 more minutes. Okay, uh, that's great. So I'll, I'll take 40. Uh, 30? Okay. Um, he serves for two years with Children of the Nations and still feeling like he could see transformation in his country. Now, nobody gets assigned to hospitals without knowing the president of the country or knowing someone in authority in those countries, right? It just doesn't happen. Antonio says, it's going to happen. God's going to make this happen. He begins to pray, and he works hard, and he begins to serve as an intern in a, in a strategic hospital in the northern coast of the Dominican Republic. And the director of that hospital goes to a higher post, and so what does Antonio do? He, says, he tells us, pray. Pray that I would be assigned to this. And everybody in the country is going, you know, the staff are going, Easy, man. That's not going to happen, Antonio. Come on. Let's be real. Just be a doctor, you know. Finish your internship and be a doctor. And he says, no. No, I want to be the director of this, of this hospital. Well, guess what happened? The president of the country, the Dominican Republic, hand-selected. <laughs> Go back one picture there. Hands, there he is. There's the president of the country next to Antonio, which is the second one in on the right. The next one is the president. Hand-selected Antonio. Why? Because of the message of his life. Here's a child that has become something that has been nobody, and now they're going to create transformation. So we visited the other day on Harley's up there. Uh, Buzz, Buzz um, Holmes took me on a Harley up there. If you know Buzz, he's a crazy Harley rider. I don't know if he's here today, but we rode up there, and Antonio didn't want to just show me the medical stuff he was doing. He was like, I want to show you transformation, Dad, uh, Poppy. That's what they call me. So he, he took me from room to room in these, this spotless hospital. Beautiful. If you go to the village originally when he first came, junk and garbage everywhere. It had no value for many of the things of healthcare. Antonio wanted to show Poppy that he had gotten the message of transformation. And as he went around, he would call people by name and they would smile and say, Hi, Dr. Antonio. And he'd say, this is my family. They'd go, thank you. He said, every week we have a cleaning day. And I'm telling you, this place was spotless. But he's one of the most prestigious hospitals in all of the Dominican Republic. What's next? What's next? God can do it. Another one of our girls, actually our director of sustainability is here. Cheryl, where are you? Come on up. I want, I want you to meet Cheryl, but I want you to take, you're already here. Wow, come on up here. Let's get you a mic. 
Cheryl, now you see the pastor only gave us a few minutes. So I want you to tell the story of Irene in Malawi. Absolutely. I just have to say, though, 5,000, that number, every time I, I think about when I came to work with Debbie and Chris, think about the little boy who had the lunch, right, who feeding the 5,000. I always see Chris as that little boy, that little boy who said, this is all I have, gave it to God, and fed 5,000. And that's how I feel about being at COTN. And especially as a woman, the issues that we talk about with kids who are double orphaned are doubly hard for young women. I want to tell you the story of a young lady. Her name is Irene. Irene came into our facility so many years ago when she was nine years old. Irene had lost her parents, but before Irene lost her parents, I'll never forget the story that Irene told of carrying her brother on her back, going to look for food and going to look for water because her mom had passed away. And when Irene got back home, her brother was really quiet. He stopped crying. She came home and she laid him down in the bed. And Irene had no idea that while she was out hunting for food and water, that her little brother had died while she was carrying him. And later, after her parents had died, and she went to live with another relative who abused her physically, emotionally, and socially. And this little girl at nine years old had gone through all of this and came into COTN. She got the care that she needed, the physical care, the social, the spiritual care. And that picture that you saw, if we can put that back up of Irene, is Irene a few years ago graduating from university. Not only has Irene graduated from university, Irene is a communications major, but Irene went on to get her master's in business development. And then Irene came back to us and said, this is what I want to do. Because I grew up in such horrible conditions, there was no housing available for me. I want to build affordable housing in Malawi. Irene is now the first female CEO owner of an affordable housing company in Malawi building affordable housing so that other young people don't have to live in the conditions that she lived in. This is just one of the amazing stories of transformation and why I am so blessed to work at COTN because especially as a woman and a mother, I get the opportunity to see the transformation happen with these young people. So again, just thank you for allowing us to be here and to share that story of Irene and Chris. I just have to say thanks to you and Debbie thank for you. being the little boy with the lunch who said, here, you can have my lunch, take this, um, and feed those 5,000. So you. thank you. Thank you, Cheryl. Incredible. <laughs> Cheryl's been working on her sustainability because what do you do with the child that has done all the things and become a great person? Now they can't get a job, right? So she's working on all of those uh, unique opportunities to create business for our students. We have 60 kids right now that have received some kind of a loan to start a business, and 47 of them have already paid back 100% of that loan. That's incredible in a place that's poverty-stricken where you eat any money that comes to you. God has a way of, of transforming. He doesn't just want to come in and change a little bit. He wants to transform. He wants to transform Kitsap County. The good news of Jesus Christ has come to Kitsap County so that we can be a blessing to the uttermost parts of the world. Amen? And when our kids capture this, even our kids here in Kitsap County, when they capture that, watch out. Watch out because God's going to do great things. He, in the history of mankind, he has prepared you. 
to be in the positions that you're at. He has prepared you to take this combustion mind mindset and to see incredible things come to pass, to take the few things that God has put in your hands and to make it happen. Every single day, we hit obstacles. We hit heartbreaking, struggling obstacles. I could, I could go on for three hours, and maybe in my book I'll talk about the obstacles that we've hit. From kids that, uh, like little Stephen in Malawi that we rescued, rabies, hair uh, was orange. We brought him back to health. God just blessed our staff as they blessed this little boy, Stephen. At nine years old, he gets a headache in the, at about five o'clock at night. And uh, by six o'clock, his temperature is rising. And we recognize there's something seriously wrong with this child. But there's no doctors anywhere in the whole community. This is way before we had a chance to, to grow so many doctors. And we began to pray for Stephen. We got phone calls here, pray for Stephen. Something's desperately wrong. We thought he has malaria. But he had cerebral malaria quickly went to his brain and within a few moments he was dead and you hold a child like that and you say why i want it all to be the american drama story where everything gets better at the end and everybody uh lives the american dream but you know we're not working for this earth we're working for a god who's created heaven and when these kids understand the basics of the gospel of Jesus Christ and they trust him with their lives, not only can things change here on earth, but the, the heavens are changed. Amen? Amen? Come on, more than pastor can say amen. Amen? amen. Greater is he that is in me. Now James 1.27, as you shared, says, pure and faultless faith is caring for orphans in their distress. It doesn't say that you're going to get anything from that. It says by caring, by reaching out, it's stretching that heart and making it movable and plausible for God to do whatever he wants to do. Now, God, during this message, God has put in your mind something that you've seen. There's been a need that God has revealed to you. If you don't respond, that's okay. He still loves you and celebrates your life, and he laughs every day when you wake up because he didn't sleep all night long. He celebrates who you are. He doesn't have a bunch of guilt trips to say, oh, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to make you pay because you didn't respond to that, baby. You're going to get it when you get to heaven. No, he celebrates over you. He longs to see you be who he has made you to be. And when you respond with what God has put in your hand, amazing combustion happens. And I want to just end with this one story that I want to actually let Louisa share with you. She's also from the Dominican Republic. I'll let you see that, and Pastor, would you come and, and close us? Hola, mi nombre es Luisa Cuevas. Gracias por darme la oportunidad de compartir con ustedes mi historia. Cuando era niña, siempre quise estudiar, pero se hacía imposible, ya que la comunidad de Los Robles no contaba con una escuela. Vivía sin rumbo y una vida sin propósito. Pero una vez que llegó Niño de las Naciones a mi comunidad, las cosas cambiaron y construyeron la primera escuela. Desde muy temprana edad, supe que quería ser una maestra. Y el personal de Niño de las Naciones estuvo ahí motivándome y mostrándome que sí podría lograrlo. Siempre quise ayudar y servir a los niños de mi comunidad. Hoy soy maestra de Niño de las Naciones. Y puedo inspirar a muchos niños. Muchos niños dicen que quieren ser maestro igual que yo. 
y le digo que sí es posible. Hoy puedo mostrarle una nueva visión de su futuro y le digo que sí, pueden lograr todo lo que se proponen alcanzar. Gracias a todas estas personas que ayudan a niños, al igual que yo, a alcanzar sus sueños. Cuando ayudas a un niño a obtener educación, le estás dando la, la oportunidad de impactar a su comunidad y lo, y lo empoderas para que sea ejemplo a seguir de los demás. Cuando veo a todos los jóvenes de mi clase, digo que sí, a más personas como tú les importa. Podemos cambiar nuestra comunidad, podemos cambiar nuestra nación. God's word says too much that has been given, much is required. And God has placed us in this part of this world, not just to accumulate, not just to spend on ourselves, not just to, you know, just to spend on our children and grandchildren. When, and that's fine. That's good. But God has overwhelmingly blessed us with opportunities to see beyond ourselves and to, to help kids that will never see this side of heaven who they can meet Jesus, know Jesus, and then learn to follow him and then transform their village, transform their city, transform their nation. And, and the cool thing is, is that we get opportunities to, to respond. And, and when I was asked, hey, could you, could you share this? I don't, like, I, don't, I don't have any hesitation at all because, I mean, everything we have comes from God. Everything we have comes from God, even the air that we breathe. And so if you have to have a king, kingdom mindset, is that how can I use what I have that God has given me to advance his kingdom? Not my kingdom, not, not anybody's kingdom, but to advance God's kingdom. So again, we, as a church here at Grace Point, we, we provide opportunities all the time for you to get involved with, get in prayer with, you know, and we have opportunities to help women and girls in Kitsap County, and that's why we support Scarlet Road, you know, that's why we support this, you know, this, this partnership, that partnership, planting new churches around the globe, because it's not all about us here in Kitsap County and Grace Point Church. It's his, it's his kingdom. It's his kingdom that we're trying to advance. So another opportunity that is before you is, is to sponsor a child. For $36, a COTN will, will, will rescue these kids in their orphan condition. And for $36 a month, for $36 a month, we'll feed them, we'll house them, we'll show Jesus with them, which most of them trust in Jesus, if not all of them. And, and we'll give them clean water. Give them education. And if you, I don't know if you heard in the story, they're, they're also being challenged to what they have received to give back to the kingdom of God. And they're seeing that I don't want a job for myself. How can I see God transform other lives? They're catching that vision that it's not just about them. It's how can they be used by God to advance God's kingdom. So in every row you see some, uh, some uh, one, of, one of these... Uh, we did our best to attach them to the chair. Some of them have fallen on the ground. That's okay. Um, and, and there's also a, C, uh, a QR code if you can scan on your phone. And, and, you, and when you scan it on this one, you would get this child and their information if, if you would want to uh, sponsor them. Also, uh, in, in our lobby on the wall, there's, there's kids that need sponsorship. On the table, there's kids that need sponsorship. Again, this is an opportunity. This is not a guilt trip. This is an opportunity for $36 a month to say, okay, God, 
And we've done this many times with COTN, with uh, the, the House of Hope in India. Okay, we get to do this, to, to love on these kids. And the cool thing is you can write to these kids, and then they write back. And every time we've gotten letters back, they are overwhelmingly grateful. And one day, we'll see all the kids we've adopted. We'll see them in heaven. So I want you to pray about this. And um, I'm sure at the table they have a, a postcard or something that, or, or they can point you to the website if you, don't, if you want to go home and pray about it. But if you want to, just, if you want to do it today, awesome, do, do it today. I'm praying that the 5,700 children will be pushing 6,000 by the end of today. And um, anyways, wouldn't that be cool? Wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't that be awesome? So I absolutely love our partnership, uh, Chris and Debbie. I got to do devotions through Zoom last month. It was around the world because uh, this is not just a Kitsap County thing. This is a global thing. And I love your heart. And you just scratch Chris and you get, you, he bleeds his passion because um, they're, they're their children. And now their children are having children, Right. But uh, it's an awesome opportunity for us to partner with you, monthly give to COTN. And when we give, COTN is like, use it however God wants you to use it. And, and they, they just do with it whatever God wants. And we have a lot of people in our church that have been connected one way or another with this incredible uh, ministry right here in Kitsap County. Before I pray, could you thank Chris and Debbie for being here today and for what they're doing? So let, let me pray. God, thank you uh, for the, the, the passion that you um, really brought into Chris's heart and life years ago. And by faith, Chris and Debbie stepped out. And you took the need and you took uh, the desire and you put it together and you collided it. And it has exploded into thousands of lives being changed. And it's going to continue and it's going to continue to multiply. I thank you for, for them and how you've blessed them, provided for them, have you continually stretched their faith. And God, we ask that you would use us here at Grace Point to be a blessing to a little boy, a little girl who has lost everything, but God has brought them to a place that their whole life can change and their whole future can change. Because God, that's the kind of God you are. You're a transforming God. And we give you praise for the opportunity we have to be a part of your, your work. We ask that you continue to bless CLTN, provide for them. We pray all this in Jesus' name we say, amen. amen. Let's you go sponsor a child right now. Have a great day.